Well, we are continuing our series today that we are calling Dangerous Prayers, and I want to let you know that uh, today is the only prayer that really is a dangerous prayer to pray, or I would say this, it's dangerous to pray this way. Okay, we've been calling all the other ones dangerous prayers, but really, they're amazing prayers that you should be praying. They're prayers that you have no idea where they'll take you, but they're the prayers that God wants you to pray, but our flesh is afraid to pray them because we think they're dangerous, okay? But this one really is dangerous for you to pray this way, and I'm specifically talking to the men today. I'm specifically talking to the men. When we read this text, you're going to realize that this is for the men, and then even more specifically, it's for husbands. So husbands, I need your attention. Ladies, I know I have yours already. <laughs> All right? This one is found at 1 Peter chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, smartphone, whatever, get to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read verse 7, but let me just set the stage for you as we get to this reading. Um, Peter has just, the Apostle Peter has just taken some time to talk to ladies in verses 1 through 6, and he's talking about how a wife should be and what should be attractive about her and the beauty and how she should uh, be a woman of God. So he's doing these things, and he's writing to her, and then verse 7, he writes to husbands. Now, I want to let you know that a lot of the Bible in the last part of the Bible, in the New Testament and in the last part of it, the New Testament is telling us, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we live? How do we live? Uh, how do you take from living for yourself and living in a culture that's so full of sin, and how do you become a follower of Jesus Christ, be a, a husband, a wife? How do you be a, a, an owner, business owner, a worker? How do you live in the community? How do you work with government? How does Jesus Christ change the way you live? And so you'll see that in the New Testament, and it's wonderful that the Bible gives us this instruction. So this is one of those moments that Peter is giving instruction now to husbands, and in verse 7, he says this, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay, so he says that right there. There's the dangerous prayer part. He's saying, husbands, if you don't treat your wife right, if you don't take care of her, there's going to be a hindrance to your prayer. And it's a dangerous prayer for you to pray to think that you can live any way you want, not take care of your wife, that it is actually dangerous to be thinking that you're getting through to heaven because you are not getting through to heaven. It is a dangerous way to pray. Now, if I can explain this, I want to explain this. Just this one verse, you can really get it. Men, it can go in deep to you. And I want to say this to the ladies, too. I, I think this is very much a, a sermon that ministers to you because there may be men right now that you're going to have to forgive. There may be some men in your life, a father that, that, that abused you. You may have a, an ex-spouse that was mean and, and horrible to you. You may have a husband right now that everything within you is, is just wanting to amen right now and shout out for me, and, but you know that your husband's sitting next to you and you don't even want to flinch right now. You're like, Holy Spirit, you do the work, okay? But you're going to have to forgive, and this is for all of us together, but there's something for all of us. Let me start with the middle of this. He said, you know, you got to realize that they're heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. He's saying you are equal. He's saying uh, men and women are equal in Christ. We both receive grace. Um, there is no class distinction that it's men and then women. It's not like that. He's saying you got to know that 
Jesus made it different and made it so that women were elevated, that women had respect. And you think about it, Christianity is the religion that has elevated women. It's not women's lib. It's been Christianity that has elevated women. And Peter's saying, guys, treat them as co-heirs. We both get grace. And Galatians 3 talks about there's, there's really no uh, difference now. We're all receiving grace. Yes, we look different. Yes, we have different skills. Yes, we're made different physically. But he's saying when it comes to the spiritual, we're the same. We're in this together. And, it, and it's really saying we have, we're, we're, we're equals in this. We're like right foot and left foot. You need two feet to walk. You don't say, I really love my left foot more than my right foot. You know, you, I have a better foot. You just, they're your feet. They get you to where you want to go. You're equal in this. So Peter's trying to let them know this. And then he says, you know, you, you got to realize you got to treat them with respect because they're the weaker partner. They're the weaker vessel. Okay, let me be very clear on this. When the word is used there for weaker, it, it doesn't mean weakling. It, it, it doesn't mean weak even. It means weaker. It means physically not as strong. Okay, now every time I've ever taught that, I mean, I'll say like, okay, because it says that men are stronger. I always get a girl, it's almost inevitable. A girl coach me goes, well, I know a girl that could beat you up. And I'm like, I do too. And I stay away from her, okay? <laughs> Got it. Got it, okay? I get it, I get it, I get it. There are ladies that are bodybuilders or ladies that are stronger, ladies that are great, amazing athletes. But if you take the strongest guy and the strongest lady, the strongest guy will bench press more. The strongest guy will, you, you see what I'm saying? And he's saying, you gotta realize in nature, men are stronger and women are vulnerable and they're weaker. They're not weaklings, they're just weaker. And I, a better word that is used here, a better word would say, treat them as the delicate vessel as the delicate vessel. I want to illustrate this. Um, one pastor used this illustration. I thought it was so good. He said, ladies are like fine china. They are delicate. Men, you are like a thermal mug. Okay? And he's saying, like you, no problem. Ladies, you, you be careful, you know? Okay? So he's saying, you have to realize that in society, you've been trained to be aggressive. You've been trained to win. You've been trained to exploit weaknesses. You are a thermal mug. You are made. You are utility. You can go into the ditches. You can go. You, you are risky. That's the way you are. There's something in our DNA. It's something the way we're made up. Matter of fact, it's so in men, this thermal mug identity that, I mean, you know, the schools are trying to ban guns and I don't think any kid should ever bring a gun, but I think it's going a little extreme when a kid like chews his pretzel into the form of a gun and then shoots other kids and then they suspend them. I mean, the kids are just going to do that. You can tell a kid you can't have a gun and the kid will chew celery into a gun. I mean, it's just the way boys are, okay? They're thermal mugs. That's, you know, it's the way it is. But it's, you need to channel that. You need to channel that. And, and God's saying, if you are a thermal mug and she's the delicate one, you cannot be rough with her. You cannot be rough. If the thermal mug is rough and he's, I love you, and, and, he's, and he's doing this, he's going all Tommy boy and woo, woo, baby, you know, I, it's not good. Some of you are like, well, but I'm not. I'm not mean to my wife. I, I don't abuse my wife. And can I say this? There is never any reason that a man should be hitting a woman like in a marriage. Ever, never, ever, ever, ever. Never. There should be no physical abuse in the house. You say, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. Okay, but you know what you can do with your emotional abuse? 
your emotional abuse, your, you can be a wordsmith bully, and you may not leave any marks, but you make deep, deep wounds. And you are, you are being so inconsiderate. Matter of fact, some of you have uh, abused your spouse, abused your wife so bad with your words and emotional abuse. Like, this is your wife. This is your wife. This is how she's supposed to look. And this is your wife because you have beat her down so much. You know what? All that's left is the handle. You know why? Because you control her. Oh, I love her. No, you control her. And God says, this is not how your wife should look. Your wife should look like this. Your wife should be beautiful. You should realize she's delicate and you should take care of her and you should nurture her and you should be understanding of her and you should be very, very delicate. And one more thing, I'll never forget this. When my mom and dad would invite company over and they'd break out the good china. They'd break out the good china and we'd have dinner and afterwards, after dinner would be done, mom would put a towel in the sink. And then she'd fill it partway with water and she'd put the china in there and they wouldn't even touch each other. She had a towel in the bottom of the sink just in case the cup tipped over so it wouldn't chip. Wow, husbands, you should be so considerate to your wife that there is a towel of softness under the way you treat her so in the event that she accidentally tips over, she doesn't chip. I think there's some men right now that need to repent but I have more sermon to go, so don't you dare leave. <laughs> All right. The Bible says you're supposed to be considerate. Peter's saying you need to be considerate as you live with her. One translation says live in wisdom with her. That means you need to be aware of her, of her, of her needs. You need to be aware of what's going on in her mind. You've got to be thinking about her. You've got to uh, realize that you're supposed to be uh, thinking of how to satisfy her, how to take care of her, how to make her happy, how to meet her needs. You're supposed to be realizing this. And one pastor said some of the worst cruelty is not being deliberately mean to your wife. It's being just thoughtless and just not even thinking about her needs. That can be so cruel. You think about everybody else's needs, but not your wife. You're supposed to know her and take care of her. And basically, Peter is saying over and over again, if you're going to get married, guys, if you're going to get married, you had better do marriage right. You had better do it right. And I think about this. Men, we are always talking sports and stocks and Craigslist and cars and golf and this, you know, we're talking all this stuff and rarely, rarely, rarely does the conversation go, hey, 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 guys, guys, I got a tip for you to be an amazing husband. I got a tip. I tell you what, the flowers over there, you can get on this flower buying program. It's awesome. Save you money and you're, they're unique flowers. Your wife will like it. Rarely. I mean, we don't say like, hey, hey, guys, this retreat place that we went to is amazing. Go for the rose petal option. She will love that. We rarely do that. And the ladies are like, you don't? No. We are thermomugs, okay? But we need to think that way. We need to help each other. We need to become experts, experts at being husbands, experts at knowing the needs. I mean, we should be helping each other become more spiritual. We should help our wife and help her to understand you and you to understand her. We should um, be sensitive to her feelings. We should be asking forgiveness when we're wrong. We should be focusing on what we appreciate about her and not what we don't like. We should be building up her weaknesses. These are the things that we should be doing. We shouldn't be robbing each other of the joy of following Jesus. We should be multiplying that. And it seems like so many husbands were, were amazing boyfriends and terrible husbands. And it shouldn't be that way. 
Boyfriends should not be better than being husband. I, I, I found this joke, and you know, I don't like to tell jokes, but I, like, I, I don't mind being funny, but I, I don't usually like to tell jokes, but this one was just too good. It was a relationship put in computer language, and it said, a desperate woman wrote tech support. She said, dear tech support, last year I upgraded from boyfriend 5.0 to husband 1.0, and I noticed a distinct slowdown in the overall performance, <laughs> particularly in the flower and jewelry applications. In addition, Husband 1.0 uninstalled many other valuable programs such as Romance 9.5 and Personal Attention 6.5 and installed undesirable programs such as Newspaper 5.0, TV News 3.0, and Bas Basketball Game 4.1. Conversation 8.0 no longer runs at all. <laughs> Please note that I have tried nagging wife 5.3 to fix these problems to no avail. Signed, Desperate Woman. Dear Desperate Woman, First, keep in mind, Boyfriend 5.0 is an entertainment package. <laughs> Husband 1.0 is an older, more reliable operating system. Please enter the command, I thought you loved me, HTML, okay? And try to download Tears 6.2, and don't forget to install Guilt 3.0 update. <laughs> if those applications work as designed, Husband 1.0 should then automatically run the applications Jewelry 2.0 and Flowers 3.5. However, remember, overuse of the above applications can cause Husband 1.0 to default to Silence 2.5 and Stay Away 2.0. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not, under any circumstances, install Mother-in-Law 1.0. <laughs> it runs a virus in the background that will eventually seize control of all your systems. <laughs> in summary, Husband 1.0 is a decent program. It has limited memory. It cannot learn new applications quickly. <laughs> you might consider buying an additional software to improve memory and performance. We recommend Cooking 3.0 and Hotlook 7.7. All right, so. Okay, but we laugh, but how many know people say, oh, what happened to this guy? He was wanting to know my needs. He was doing all the right things, and we got married, and he just shut down. It shouldn't be that way. The Christians should be so good with marriage that it should be like, you should see what I'm going to do when I become a husband. If you think it's good now, wait until we make a vow to each other, and I'm willing to show you everything that I can do, because I, I, this is going to be amazing. Husband 1.0 is going to be amazing. Everything here goes to a whole nother level. But it isn't like that, and it should be. And Christian, Christianity has the opportunity to change the way that culture views marriage if we can get this right. If we'll do this, we could change the way that the world looks at marriage. The order of life for a married person should be, for a man, should be Christian, husband, father, employee, hobbies. And many times we get that all reversed. Kids are way at the bottom. Wife may be even lower than that. That's wrong. That is wrong. God may even be left. It's not the way it should be. It should not be like that. As we move on, Peter goes and said, you need to treat your wife. You need to take care of her, and you need to treat her with R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Who knew that Aretha was preaching? How many know? He said, treat her with respect. Give her honor. Take care of her. And he said, if you don't do this stuff, you know what's going to happen? Your prayers will be hindered. Now, this bothered them a lot, and it should bother us too. You know why? It bothered them because they believed that the prayers of the father were vital to the success of the family. 
And so Peter's telling them, guys, if you don't realize this, your prayers that you think are vital aren't even going through to heaven. They're being hindered if you are not taking care of your wife. And this term is a military term that means to dig ditches to slow down the progress. Imagine this. You are trying to live, you are trying to make a living, you are trying to be a father, you are trying to do whatever you can, and you are so out of line with your wife that God is digging ditches to slow down your progress. Your prayers are hindered, there are trenches there, there are things that are standing in the way, and God is standing in the way of your prayers getting through, it's being hindered. God is throwing sticky bombs on your track and you're not getting anywhere, he's blowing it off, and your engine's running, but you're not going anywhere. You don't need that. You don't need to be hindered. You need to keep moving forward. And this is kind of blowing me away that, well, Wednesday night I was golfing with some friends. I'm kind of in a little golf league and I was giving them the pre-sermon. I was giving them the pre-sermon of this and I was getting pretty dynamic and I was like, if, if, if you are not right with your wife, God's so upset with that that he puts your relationship on hold. He said, I'm hindering what you're praying about. And as I'm, as I'm talking to these guys and going for it. The, this young lady drives up with the beverage cart and she's like, are you guys okay? I said, yeah, I'm just preaching to these guys, all right? You know? and, and she's like, I think I'll come back. You know? She drove away and then finally one of the guys in the golf group goes, if I'm not treating my wife right, any, am I still saved? And I said, yes, you're still a child of God, but you are in a timeout. <laughs> That's the way it is. God's like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm not going along with this. I, I, you, I'm gonna hinder what is going on because I love her so much and I want your relationship to be right with her so much. I'm pausing so you try to figure out what's wrong and it's right over there. Get back over there. Wow. There's more than this that can hinder our prayers and we don't have time to go into all of them, but just quickly, if you're lukewarm, it hinders your prayers. If you're too busy, it hinders your prayers. If you are chasing money too much, it hinders your prayers. If you are, have too little to do, it can hinder your prayers because you can become a gossip and a busybody. If you have no order or discipline to your life, it can hinder your prayers. If you have any sin, the Bible is clear that, that sins will cloud you, sins will keep you from wanting to be in the presence of God. And one pastor said, uh, prayer will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from praying. You choose. I'd rather pray and stay away from sin. Disobedience can keep you from praying. Wrong motives can hinder your prayers. But over and over again, we have to realize that we have to live right if we're going to pray right. And if you feel that your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, if they have no power, if there's no intimacy in your prayer time, men and women, do a relational inventory. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody you need to ask forgiveness from. But if your prayers are not getting through, you need to look at your relationships and see what God is saying to you there before you think about what you're saying to him this way. Now, allow me just a little bit of latitude. This text, this text is very much for husbands, but I want to talk to all men, from the youngest man in this room to the oldest man, the youngest boy in this room. I don't think society is doing a very good job of honoring women. I don't think they are. I think they're demeaning women, and we're not honoring women, and we need to step it up, and we need to honor all women, not just the one that we're married to. We need to honor all all women and, and elevate their stand and, and take care of them and honor them and, and see them as the beautiful creation that God has made them, the fine china that should be taken care of. And I can tell you, society's not doing a good job. And in Steubenville, Ohio, in 2002, there was a notorious rape case in which two high school boys were drunk, got a girl drunk, and took advantage of a young lady, raped her. They recorded it, posted it online, and society was outraged by it. 
A Christian author, Anne Voskamp, she wrote an open letter to her son because she saw this happening and she just thought, we've got to say something. We've got to treat, we've got to tell men how they should treat women. We've got to tell young boys how they need to grow up. And so she told her son in this open letter that's online, she told him about abuses that she saw in her church, in her youth group, where the boys were not behaving well and the adult male leaders were not behaving well towards the young women. And when they brought it to the attention in their church, she was told this. She said, well, boys will be boys. And she writes her son, she said, son, when the prevailing thinking is boys will be boys, girls will be garbage. And that is never the heart of God. That's what you have to get, son. Real manhood knows the heart of God for the daughters of his heart. Unless a man looks to Jesus, a man doesn't know how to treat a woman. This is what God chose his best. This is where he first became one of us. God chose to make his entry point into the world through the holy space of a woman, to enfold himself inside of a woman, to drink of a woman, be held and nursed and cared for by a woman. That's the jolting truth of how God loves his daughters with his honor. That Christ never beat down a woman with harsh words or lusting eyes or sneering innuendos, but he stepped in and stopped a broken woman from the abuse of angry men. Christ came to the defense of a hurting woman, and the Son of Man stood between her ache and her attackers, and he lifted the weight of shame from her and cupped her heart with hope and wrote a new future in the dust and dirt of everything, and he saved her life. That's how God loves his daughters with his defense. That Christ didn't degrade women in his talk, but he made women heroes in his stories. He invited a woman with a coin and a broom to reveal the truth about the kingdom of God. He honored an, an intentional woman with an unjust judge as unveiling the character of God. He elevated a lonely, unmarried woman who dropped her meager resources into the temple treasury as the rebuke of God for all the rich and religious. That's how God loves his daughters with his words. That Christ didn't demonize women, but he accepted the presence of a woman reviled by the self-righteous. He sat with the scandalous woman, the righteous regarded as damaged goods. He welcomed the rejected and immodest, though he lost the respect of the religious. That's how God loves his daughter, with his grace. That when Christ stepped out of that black tomb, he still didn't choose to first manifest himself to the prestigious officials, religious leaders, the 12, but instead he revealed himself first to the women. He entrusted the veracity of his resurrection to the testimony of women. He offered the privilege of proclaiming Christ as the risen Savior to the women, though no court at the time would ever accept their testimony. That's how God loves his daughters with his regard. She said, son, real manhood means you don't get drunk. And a man can get drunk on a lot more than alcohol. Men drunk on power, on control, on ego, lose more than all inhibition. They lose their way their own souls. Men drunk on anything can destroy everything and real manhood thirsts for righteousness. She said, son, the thing is this. Real manhood means you hallow womanhood. A woman isn't a toy to amuse your lust, a thing to aggrandize your ego, a trophy to adorn your manhood. A woman is of your rib who birthed your rib, who cupped your rib, who's meant to be gently cherished at your rib at your side. Wow. Wow. Wow, all men, listen up, from the youngest to the oldest. Let's raise the standard of the way we honor and take care of women. Let's raise the standard of the way we say you have a place of honor. You will be treated with respect. Boys will not be boys. Boys will grow up to be men of God and treat women right.
Let me close with one last thing to get us back to our text. Peter says that our prayers are hindered and that we need to treat our, our wife right. And I have this picture. I thought of this scenario with my imagination. I just thought of a guy praying and saying, okay, God, today I want to pray for favor, favor, favor. I'm going into the workplace and I got a big deal. I'd love to close that big deal. And um, so if you could get that big deal. And of course, you know, I've been waiting on that promotion and a promotion, you know, I'm just praying to give me the breakthrough for that. And of course, all the other good things that you want to give me and the, the blessings, I'm ready to receive them because I'm ready to get them. So Lord, anytime you want to give them to me, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, in your name, amen. And I think that God's like, wow, that was, I, I liked a lot of that. You know, a lot of that was good. Some of it, not so much, but I, I liked a lot of it. And uh, I was thinking of answering that because, you know, the reason I put you in that workplace is I really wanted you to reach the president. You know, you're going to be the one that's going to reach the president of the company and share faith with them. So I, I'd love to give you that promotion. And of course, you know, the big deal, that's really important to me too, because, you know, I wanted you to be a kingdom builder because there's projects I wanted you to fund. So I would love to answer those. But I, what I want to do is I want to just check a few references before I go and uh, answer your prayer request. And I can see the guy like, absolutely, Lord, no problem. Here's my reference list, and uh, here's my uh, golf league guys and a uh, couple of coworkers, uh, you know, a couple guys from Rotary. Just in case you didn't know, well, of course you know. They're, not all of them are saved, you know, but, you know, there's my reference list. And God's like, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. I just, there's only one, and I, I already know who I'm going to check the reference of. And I get this picture of God going and kneeling down next to your wife while she's praying. And he goes, I'm just checking your reference for your prayer request. And he goes, I'm just going to listen here. And if your wife prays like this, God, I just pray you'd help my husband with his anger problem. Um, it scared me last night. It scared me. I think it scared the kids. And God, if I'm doing anything wrong, um, convict me of that because I, 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 I just the anger, it's so bad. And God, I'd love for him to spend more time with the kids and play with them. It doesn't even seem like he has time for them anymore. And could you just tell him we got enough? We got enough. He doesn't have to keep chasing money after money. We want him around more. And Lord, I'm trying to be a good wife, but I, I, I caught him with that pornography. And I just, could you convict him of that? Because I just, it's breaking my heart that he's bringing that into our marriage. And, um, I wish he wouldn't swear in front of the kids. And um, so, if you could take care of those things, I, I form me into the lady I need to be. How many know that God gets up from there? If you think I am answering any of your prayers, young man, you are crazy. You get over there and apologize to my daughter right now, and you take care of her. I am going to hinder your prayers. I am standing against your prayers because you are mistreating your wife. How dare you do that? You get it right with my daughter or else. How many know that that's his daughter? That means he's your father-in-law. And you wonder, you wonder why God's not giving you the breakthrough. He's checking your reference, the only one that matters. And he's hearing her tears, and he's hearing your prayers, and he is choosing the weaker vessel. 
He is choosing the weaker vessel. And he's saying, you better get this right. And some of the men in our church right now, I really feel you need to sometime today or in this week, I think you literally, not just an object, I think you should take a towel and a warm basin of water and ask your wife if you could wash her feet. I really do. Jesus did it to show the form of a servant, but I think you could do it and you could say, honey, I am sorry. I am sorry for things I've done wrong. I, I am not. I'm a thermal mug. I'm an idiot. Um, but I'm sorry for what I've done. And you, some may be bawling. You may be bawling and just get the word sorry out. She'll know what you mean. God will know what you mean. And in that moment, here's what I guarantee will happen. When you start treating your wife right, when you apologize, when you say, I'm going to take the lead, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll go for counseling. I'll do this. We'll, we're going to honor God together. And you start crying out. Here's what's going to happen. If heaven was blocked before, I think in the moment that you start apologizing, you start living like the man of God you need to be, God is going to fill every ditch, and every ditch will be filled in, and God's going to be like, give this guy's prayers a police escort into the throne room. He's getting it right. He's getting it right. He's honoring his wife. He's taking care of her. They're praying together. They're in unity. There's something going on here. Open up heaven. Open up heaven because this guy is honoring the word. He's honoring the weaker vessel. He's taking care of it. He gets it that this relationship is so important to me. Open up heaven. Open up heaven. And that's what I believe. That's what I believe could happen in our church. Heaven could be opened up and the prayers of everyone could be heard in such an amazing way if men will do what the word of God says. So Lord, I just pray right now that the men of this church would right now in their hearts say, I will grab hold of the towel. I will grab hold of the form of the servant. I will be a husband. I will be a protector, a priest, a provider. I'll be the one that lifts up my wife. I will help her to be better. She will be the delicate vessel. I will take care of her. I will honor her. I will work on these shortcomings of my life and I'll be more like you, Jesus. And I pray that as the men step up and do that, as they honor their wife, Lord, I pray that heaven would open, their prayers would have so much effectiveness behind them that they'd be amazed at the, the clear access to the throne that they have. So I pray for a deep repentance to fall on our church, on the men, a deep repentance for them to say that they were wrong from the least of the things that they do to the person that is physically abusing I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that there would be a repentance in Jesus' name, and they'd realize that is not the way you want us to live, being a follower of Jesus Christ. May we honor and treat the delicate vessel the way that you've called us to treat the delicate vessel. And may our prayers not be hindered at all. May you help women to forgive a dad, a husband, a coworker, someone that has treated them wrong. May they have a forgiving heart. And may the men of this church step up and change the way that we are, that we change the way that marriage is done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.